He's worthy this morning, somebody. Come on. I may not know what you're going through, but I know one who knows what you're going through. And this morning, he's just worthy. He's just holy. He's just God. And somebody still loves you and I. Worthy. Thank you. Worthy, 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 truly. Our God is worthy. Put your hands together. Give him praise. Give him some praise. He's worthy. Take your eyes off yourself, off your problem. Look to the hills and what's come with your help. Because truly today we serve a God who is simply worthy that lamb foreordained to die for our sins. Put your hands together one more time as you're seated this morning. We thank God for the fact that he is worthy. Honored to be here with you on this Sunday morning the sanctuary for your CFC Christmas for Christ kickoff service. Give honor to Pastor Bland in his absence, amen, and his family. Good to be here with Pastor Saucer here today in the presence of God um, that is here, Pastor Clayton and all the men and women. God, you may be seated for just a moment this morning. Amen. Three of my personal heroes are here, Scott Graham, Jerry Jones, and Daniel Scott. A little bit intimidated to speak in front of them. Good to have Bill Hobson here, our Secretary of North American Missions, our partners from Youth Ministry, DJ Hill, Michael Thomas, without them, our church planters would not be able to buy buildings and grow the kingdom of God around the world. It has been mentioned, always glad to have my wife here with me, and today my daughter Alina is here also. I know Brother Caleb said that she was my favorite. My favorite is my granddaughter, Nora. Just so we're clear, you know, I'm her favorite person in the whole world. So I've returned the favor, make her my favorite also. But here at the sanctuary, we appreciate your sacrifice very much. Last year, you're one of our top giving churches of Christmas for Christ. $25,478 this church gave to build churches throughout North America. And we appreciate your sacrifice and your giving and the example you said, and so much I'd love to hear about the new churches being planted and growing the kingdom of God. You're not just focused on the four walls of your building here, but building the kingdom of God, and we take territory from the enemy. We build churches, go right into his neighborhoods, his strongholds, and build more churches, amen, for the kingdom of God. So thank you for your support financially, people, and planting of churches. And we have, don't have much time left to do what God has called us to do. We're going to get ready now. Look into the word of the Lord, 1 Kings chapter 18. Amen. You can stand for a moment. We're going to read, beginning up verse number 30. And then we're going to go down to verse number 41, 1 Kings chapter 18. And verse 30, And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Judah, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bullock in pieces, and laid them on the wood, and set fill four barrels with water, and poured on the burnt sacrifice it on the wood 
And he said, do it the second time. They did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran about the altar and befilled the trench also with water. Then the fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Verse number 41, Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink. There was a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. He went up and looked and said, there is nothing. He said, go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there arise a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, go up and say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass, in the meanwhile, the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. For a few moments today, I'm going to preach on the topic of evaporation before precipitation. Lord, we come to you right now, Lord. Quicken your word to our hearts and to our minds. Let us be changed to be more like you through your word today. Impact us for your kingdom, we pray. Put your hands together one more time. And get ready to receive from the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Little science lesson this morning. Evaporation occurs when sunlight heats the surface of the water. The heat, we don't like the heat. That comes in our life sometimes, but the water molecules move faster and faster until they escape as a gas. The water vapor rises higher in the atmosphere. It cools back down. When it cools enough, the water vapor condenses, returns to liquid water, gathered together to form clouds. Uh, and this is what makes precipitation uh, that we call rain. Annually around the world, the same amount of water that has evaporated into the atmosphere, returns as precipitation. And when air contains the maximum water vapor possible, the temperature is said to be saturated. Uh, and when it becomes saturated, the rain begins to fall. Uh, I'm ready to tell you today that we need to saturate the heavens, amen, as we praise God, as we lift our voice and our lives to heaven, amen. Something happens and the heavens become saturated. But Israel had just spent three and a half years in a drought. You know what that means? that before the drought started, uh, the wells were full of water. The lakes were full of water. The brooks were full of water. But day after day, the atmosphere reached down to earth uh, and droplet by droplet by droplet, the water was sucked into the atmosphere and not one drop of rain fell back down in Israel, uh, and the water levels got, got lower and lower and lower. But in three and a half years of drought, uh, everything green had died. Uh, all the grass was dead. Uh, the ground was brown and cracked from dirt. Uh, and let me tell you something about water. Uh, you don't realize how much you need water. You don't have it. 
I'm from Florida and we have hurricanes there. Hurricane warnings come every Sam's Club, every Walmart, every Costco. There's no water on the shelves. It doesn't matter how many credit cards you have, how much money you have. You go from store to store and you can't find water in that time of tragedy. You would do anything, amen, just to have that water. So put yourself in this desperate situation. Three and a half years of water being evaporated from Israel and rain falling elsewhere. Not one drop of water had come back down, but the three and a half years were up. And the first thing Elijah did, uh, he said, we must repair the altars of God. Uh, and why must the altar of God be repaired? Because in times of drought, uh, in times of tragedy, people sometimes forget about the things of God and the altar of God. But if you want the rain to fall in your life, you must rebuild the altars in your life. Uh, you must put those things back in place uh, that God put in your life. And the first thing he said is, bring me 12 stones. 12 tribes of Israel must be represented at this altar. And 12 stones came very easily. Then the prophet asked for something strange. He wanted 12 barrels of water. But he only said, bring me four barrels of water. I think there's a reason he didn't ask for 12 barrels of water. Because keep in mind, in that moment, water was more precious than gold. Water was more precious than money, than diamonds. Three and a half years of drought. Uh, he said, bring me four barrels of water. And they said, prophet, have you lost your mind? Look around you. There is not a drop of water for miles around. There cannot be four barrels of water. Then the wife nudged her husband and said, honey, what about that last barrel in our garage? He said, have you lost your mind? If we give that to the man of God, what's going to happen? That's the last water we have to drink. That's the last bit of water we have to cook. That's the last bit of water we have to live. We can't give up that barrel of water. But here came one barrel of water. And then someone else said, we can't give up a barrel of water. Your brother came by yesterday asking for a cup of water. And we told him we had no water. If we bring out a barrel of water, he'll know we were holding back. But eventually, four barrels of water came. And when the water came there, those thirsty people with their parched, dry lips, they were so happy. And they said, oh, man, the prophet is going to give us a cup. And we're finally going to get a cup of cool, refreshing water. But lo and behold, he took those four precious barrels of water and said, pour it upon the sacrifice. Can you imagine people who had not seen water for three and a half years watching water be poured upon a sacrifice? Then he said, bring me four more barrels of water. Well, now they knew what was about to happen. Have you lost your mind, prophet? Do you know how much I need that water? Don't you know it's been three and a half years since I've had a drink of water? Don't you know my babies at home need that water? He said, no, bring me four more barrels of water. I'm sure it took some time because no one wanted to make that sacrifice. For at that moment, what was the most precious to him? And four more barrels of water were poured out upon the sacrifice. And then he had the nerve to come back and say, 
one more time, bring me four more barrels of water. And people were saying, it's my last barrel. All you're going to do is pour it out. I can't waste that. I need it. It's all that I have. And why would he pour out 12 barrels of precious water? I'm here to tell you today that God was about to send the rain. God was about to do the supernatural. But the precipitation could not happen without the evaporation, uh, without the additional sacrifice of the last 12 barrels of water. I believe that the rain was never going to fall. And there was a cosmic struggle in the heavens uh, against the dry earth. Uh, I can't imagine as those 12 barrels of water were being poured, the atmosphere cried out to the earth and said, send me that water. And the earth said, no, 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 not again. For three and a half years, I've been sending you water. Three and a half years, I have not had a drop of rain. And you have the nerve when I finally have 12 barrels of water poured into me to ask for me to give you more. But I've come to preach to somebody today who needs to get to a point of total evaporation. You look at the sacrifices you have made to get to where you are. I'm here to tell you the sacrifices that you made yesterday got you to yesterday and perhaps to today. But to get to where you need to be tomorrow, to get to where God needs you to go next, it's going to take your last barrel of water. It's going to take you giving more than you want to give. It's going to cause you more than your comfort. It's going to make you give up things that you don't really want to give up. You know, sometimes we don't understand the concept of what was going on in the scripture because we look at it through the, 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 the lens of history. What if you didn't have a job for three and a half years and you've been begging and borrowing and barely making it behind on all your bills uh, and Pastor Bland got up one Sunday and said I need 12 people to bring me a thousand dollars and as you looked at the front of this church uh, and saw twelve thousand dollars stacked here on this altar and you thought well maybe he's going to give it away maybe I can finally pay my car note maybe I won't be evicted and the Lord sent down fire from heaven and burnt up all that twelve thousand dollars you'd be saying I could have used that money that could have done something for me what a waste that that is. I've come to tell somebody today that whatever you give, whatever you sacrifice, whatever you've gone through, whatever you've done for God, it's never a waste. We just sang about how worthy he is. We just sang about that he is worthy. See, the Bible says that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And when part of your treasure belongs to you, and part of your treasure belongs to God, your heart is divided. God cannot have your whole heart until God has all your treasure. When there's some for me and some for God, you're always going to be a double-minded man in all your ways. Uh, I've come to tell you today, I'm not offering you some kind of heavenly lottery scheme where the more tickets you buy and the more you give, the bigger jackpot 
jackpot that you get. I've come to tell you that no one can tell you how God will bless you because sometimes God blesses you and it's not just money. We don't give to get. We give to give. I said we don't give to get. We give to give. We give because he is worthy. We give with no strings attached. And whatever we give to God, God's promise to give back 100 fold. See, one day when a farmer's birthday was coming up, and the rooster called all the animals into the barn. And he said, tomorrow is a farmer's birthday. Let's make him breakfast. And the hen spoke up and said, I'll give a dozen eggs. Everybody clapped at the sacrifice of the hen. The cow said, I'll give a gallon of milk. Everybody clapped at the cow's sacrifice. The horse said, I'll serve him the breakfast on my back. Everybody clapped, amen, at the horse being willing to serve. Then the rooster said, who's going to give the bacon? And the pig ran out of the barn. You see, because we'll give the eggs and we'll give the milk because we can calculate I can give a dozen eggs, but I lay four eggs a day. So by my next paycheck, by my next meal, by my next month, I can get back what I sacrificed. But the pig knew giving the bacon is the ultimate sacrifice. And that's why the Bible lets me know, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is what your reasonable service when you give the bacon it's not extraordinary you don't get nothing extra it's just your reasonable service people ask me sometimes what's it like being in church in America versus church in Liberia West Africa where you grew up where my dad was a missionary let me tell you something. In Liberia, West Africa, they walk to church barefoot. Hours sometimes to get there. On a regular basis, just on a Sunday morning or Sunday night service, I've seen deaf ears open. I've seen lame people that never walked come out of wheelchairs. Uh, We've seen the dead brought back to life. Not a special crusade, not a special service, but if church starts at 10 by 9 o'clock that morning, the altar is full of people worshiping. Amen. And the preacher can hardly preach the power of God is so strong. Service after service after service. And people say, why is that? I'll tell you why it is. It's what I came to preach to you about today because the people in Liberia are completely evaporated because if God don't feed them they don't eat if God don't heal them they're going to be sick if God don't make a way no way is going to be made so they live a life of complete evaporation and dependence upon God there's no sacrifice too great there's no cost that's too much I've known people that have had their child taken from them and killed in persecution for being a Christian. And where were they the next Sunday? Back in the house of God. 
I know preachers that came out of witchcraft uh, that took them out to a tree and tied them to a tree for 21 days with no water and no food to starve them to death. And what did they do? They just kept preaching the gospel. It's something about a person that is willing to be completely evaporated. But so many times we have some barrels still at home. We have some things we're just not really willing to give up. We have some sacrifices that we're not willing to make. Uh, we become like the church of Laodicea that was lukewarm that said, I am full and have need of nothing. And yet we live like the people of Israel were stuck in a place with dry marriages, uh, dry ministries, uh, dry finances. And why? Because we will not give the last barrel to the Lord. Stuck in a place, a dry place. Stuck in a place where God says, give me that barrel. But say, no, 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 three and a half years. Three and a half years. I've given and I've given and I've given. I have nothing to show for it. How dare you ask me, God, to give more. Look at the pain in my body. Look at the pain in my life. Look at the pain in my marriage. Look at the pain in my family. I can barely come back to church. How dare you ask me to keep giving? How dare you ask me to keep preaching? How dare you ask me to keep going? But God says, I need that last barrel because evaporation leads to precipitation. You've come too far to stop now. But too many people get to that final place and not willing to pay the price for what it's going to take to get the revival that God wants to give them. Children of Israel and Egypt lived in a place of slavery. It was a place of never having enough. They were slaves, nothing to show for it. Lived in the wilderness, a place of just having enough. Enough for today. Living paycheck to paycheck, barely making it. But God says, I'm going to give you houses you didn't build. I'm going to give you wells you didn't dig. But guess what kept them from the promised land? Refusal to fight one more battle. Refusal to go into the promised land because now the giants were too big and their faith waned because they refused to be completely evaporated. They were doomed to live in a place of just having enough. I've come to tell somebody that God wants to take you. God wants to take this church to the next level. I have blessings you have not even imagined. I have things you have not even seen, but yet you must get to a place of complete evaporation. Collaboration. I was talking to Pastor Sunitha Clayton earlier. She had risen in her organization to one of the most visible positions in our movement, head of AYC, known throughout the fellowship. Talked to her one day. The Lord told her to leave her job at headquarters a year before. I thought to myself, well, she must have a secret confidential job in her back pocket. You don't walk away from that without a plan. Went to a general conference not knowing what was going to happen next. I'm talking about being completely evaporated, walking away from comfort, willing to say, God, I will go where you want me to go. I will give up where you want me to give up. I don't know what's going to happen next. But in that place of complete evaporation, God can do things you've never seen done before. When our treasure is divided, 
Our heart is divided. When our trust will only take us so far. We're stuck like the children of Israel in a dry place because no one is willing to pour out that last barrel of water. We hurt our lost loved ones. We hurt our children. We get in the way of God's evaporation. We don't trust God to take care of them, so we constantly bail them out and bring them water. Guess what? The prodigal son's father wanted him to come home. He did not bring him a meal in the pig pen because why? He also had to get to a place of complete evaporation. He had to get to a place where God could get his attention, and sometimes we hit rock bottom before we look up. We say, God, do it again. We've seen God do it again. But will you do it again? And again. And again and again. No matter what it costs. No matter what you're going through. You know, I don't lightly say, I like to add a scripture to the Bible. But if I could add one scripture to the Bible, it would be at the end, uh, amen, of Job. Uh, when God would have the devil coming for him again and say, have you considered my servant Job? Uh, because the first time the devil came before God, he said, have you considered my servant Job? He says to Job, fear you for not. Uh, you've placed a hand or had your bottom. I cannot touch him. If I could touch him, he would curse you to your face. But what happened to Job? He lost his cattle. He lost his 10 children. He lost his health. He lost all his possessions. He got to a place. He was completely evaporated. And he said, what? Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. When you get to that point, that says, if I lose everything. All I need is you, God. If I lose it all, I pour out my last barrel. My last reserve, the last thing I was holding on to, I'll pour it out because I trust you. I was in Bible school. Brother Daniel Seagraves always told us, make sure when you get out there to do a work for God, make sure you're in the will of God. Because after six months, you'll have nothing left but the will of God. You have no money, no friends. If you don't have that will of God to hold on to, you have nothing. I saw him later. I said, Brother Seagraves, what you said was true, but it don't take six months. I was 24 years old when God called me to plant my first church. It stressed me and tested me and tried me in ways I could never imagine. We've lost a lot of good people in our church planting model, the Lone Ranger, dropping a man and a woman in the city and say, bless God, figure it out like we did 30 years ago. And marriages have been lost. Amen. Ministries have been ruined uh, because you get to a place uh, and you have to be at a place of complete uh, evaporation. Uh, that's why the scriptures of Christ offering is so important because when you give in this offering, you took an envelope. But I'm going to challenge you today to write a number that God puts in your heart. To, and challenge you to give like you never have given before. I'm calling some people to give a bacon offering, not just count your eggs and count your milk and give what you're comfortable with, but someone says, I've got to be evaporated. I've got to give it my all. I've got to do my best. I have to trust God in all that I do. 
But we had a monthly report from our church planners, amen, that received Christmas for Christ. Uh, I scrolled through a few of my recent reports uh, to tell you what's going on with our church planners. One wrote, please pray for me. I have a ventral hernia that is pretty bad. We need God to intervene for me as I have no medical insurance and cannot go to the doctor. We are looking for a building as of December 31st, 2022. We lose our lease. We have nowhere to meet. Uh, amen. Healing of the past or sciatic nerve. Uh, we've lost half of our people in the last two months. The thing's out of our control. Uh, we're on the verge of a breakthrough, but we need some help uh, to reach the harvest. Our church rent doubled last month. Uh, we have a new landlord. We don't know how we're going to make it. We just lost over half of our people. We need to ask the Lord to do a work. Uh, we've had revival, but it has not come without a struggle. We've had weeks and months where the enemy has kicked our teeth in and we did not know what to do. One of my personal favorites I saw, I'll tell you the name of the church, but it's a common name so you don't know what district it is. It's called Victory Tabernacle and one part of the report says victory reports and they said we have no victory to report at this time. Our church planners in order to plan a church you've got to get to a place of complete evaporation. Uh, if you trace the history of the sanctuary, you're going to find a man and woman of God that went beyond the norm, that went beyond the comfort, that went beyond what they wanted to do, but they were willing to pour out their last barrel of water just for the chance for the rains of revival to fall. I was thinking about myself today, you know, when the Lord called me to the ministry at my high school graduation. I had decided years ago God had called me to the ministry, but I was not going to be a preacher because preachers were poor. I did not want to be poor. I don't know if we were poor because my dad was a preacher or because he had nine kids, but for whatever reason, we were poor. And in my ministry, all the devil had to do was touch my finances. And I got mad. God, I didn't want to be a preacher. I didn't want to be poor. Every time he touched my finances, I got depressed. I didn't want to preach. Didn't want to come to church because he touched my finances. Then my wife and I went through the worst financial trial we've ever had. I got fired from my job through no fault of my own. We lived for six months on my wife's income, and my wife only made half of what I made. And we went through six months. Every day I looked for a job and couldn't find a job. And the low point for me might sound funny to you. But I was in the grocery store with one of my daughters. She was like three years old. I had just enough money in my pocket to pay for what I came to get. And my daughter asked for a $3 box of cereal. And I did not have an extra $3. My credit cards were maxed out. My bank account was empty. And all the money I had in the world was in my pocket. And I could not afford a $3 box of cereal. I've never been to a point in my life where I could not afford $3. And in that grocery store, tears begin to flow down my face and I'm crying like a baby I'm sure people thought that poor man uh, he must have some really bad things in his life all over a three dollar box of cereal uh, and I got to register to pay still crying like a baby paying for it and I'm mad at God I said God this is why I did not want to be a preacher I don't even have an extra three dollars to pay for something for my daughter 
But I got outside to the car, and the Lord asked me a question. He said, and this is six months. Have you paid your bills? I said, yes. Have you paid your mortgage? I said, yes. Have you paid your utilities? I said, yes. Have you paid your car payments? I said, yes. I have no idea how my wife and I were able to stay afloat for those six months. But when I came out of that trial, the devil has never been able to discourage me again by touching my finances. Because now, when he touched my finances, you know what I tell the devil? I have been young and now I am old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. When you get to that point of complete evaporation, the devil can't mess with you no more. You have victory because why? No matter what he does, no matter what he says, you say what the same God that brought me through before is the same God that's going to bring me through this time. And that's why some of you live in this place of tension because you got barrels you won't give. You got sacrifices you won't make. You got things God asks you, you don't just, I just got, that's just asking me too much. Trials and tribulation happened. My daughter got pregnant with our first grand baby was going to be a grandson. Went to the hospital we thought was a gender reveal and come to find out the baby had died in the womb. Nothing in life prepares you to lose your first grandchild. Nothing in life prepares you for things that, that you're going to go through. But when you have become completely evaporated, you know what you say like Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He knoweth the way that I take. I don't know where God is right now, but God knows where I am. I am right where he left me. He knows the way that I take and when he hath tried me. I shall come forth as pure gold. But the turning point before the rain of revival to come, some may have to be willing to give up their last barrel of water and watch it be look like it was wasted in front of them. Poured that precious water on top of the sacrifice. What a waste it seemed to be. And sometimes when you live for God, when you trust God, when you walk with God, people think you're wasting your life, you're wasting your talents, you're wasting your money, you're wasting your abilities. Whatever you do for the kingdom is never a waste. Whatever you go through for the kingdom is never a waste. Because why? It must be evaporated. Before precipitation has a hope of coming. We read here at the end what happened. Elijah said what? I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. It had not started raining yet, but guess what? He heard something that no one else could hear. Once you have a word from God in the midst of a drought, in the midst of a dry time, you will hear the sound of the abundance of rain. My father in Liberia with seven of my younger siblings went through a horrible civil war. And for 17 days, AK-47 machine gun fire was hitting the walls above their head. Rocket propel grenades landing the wall above their head. Amen. And in the midst of that, they could have died any time. But right before the war started, a man of God called my dad and said, you're about to go through something with your family. But God told me to tell you there will be no loss of life. And my dad held 
held on to that word with AK-47s and M-16s going off in his house. But guess what? You hear something that no one else can hear. You have a word from God. He said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. It hasn't rained yet. It's still dry. It's still dusty. But I hear something. Then he told his servant, go to the top of Mount Carmel and let you know what I see. So I don't see anything. He had to go back seven times, God number. And what did he finally see? I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. You know why I think that cloud was so small? Because heaven was begging earth for those barrels of water. And earth was saying, no, 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 no. I, three and a half years, I've given you every drop I have. When nothing is open, heaven was saying, no, trust me, this time it's over. The rain's going to fall like you've never seen before. And all you need to do is see the hand of God at work. All you need to know is I hear a sound of the, it didn't rain yet, but I hear a sound in the atmosphere. Rain is about to call, and I see the hand of God at work. It hasn't rained here yet, but I see a cloud the size of a man's hand that shows me that God is at work. And if I can hear the sound of the abundance of rain, and I can see a cloud the size of a man's hand, I don't care how long my drop has been going on. I don't care how long my trial has been going on. I don't care of all the things that I've been through but I know if I just keep pouring it out, amen, that God's going to show up. If I just keep pouring it out, <coughs> the rain's going to fall. So the Bible says that God will inhabit praise. So we want God to live in our problems. But your problem ain't big enough for God. God wants to meet you in your situation. But when you praise God in the midst of your drought, you make an atmosphere that God can move into. And when God shows up, miracles begin to happen. When God shows up, change is on the way. When God shows up, amen, uh, your deliverance is coming. Uh, but you have to be at a place that says, uh, I am willing to pour out the last barrel of water. It ain't sacrifice that it don't hurt. It ain't sacrifice you agree with it. But too many times here in America, we cut God off because the price for the next step is more than we want to pay. Whatever it is that God asks you, now you got to do it by faith because we don't give to get. I've gotten to the place in my ministry that whatever God asked me to do, just recently God gave me a number Amen. To write as an offering, the biggest check I've written in my life. I told my wife, I said, God told me to give this. And she said, go ahead. I told her later, I don't know if your faith is strong and you just shell-shocked all the stuff I put you through. Because in the old days, you would have questioned me. But I've got to a place to where whatever God asked me to do, I am going to do it because I must be completely evaporated. All my treasure, all my time, all my life, all my talents got to belong to God. I don't want to be a lukewarm Christian. I don't want to have stipulations. I don't want to say, God, you're going to have this and you can't have that. God, I will do this, but I won't do that. But wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to give, however I can serve, whatever I can do, I'm tired of being a milk and eggs Christian. I'm ready to lay myself on the altar and give the bacon. Psalm 63 tells us as we stand today, Oh God, thou art my God. 
Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory. So I have seen thee in the sanctuary because thy loving kindness better than life. My lips shall praise. He says, my soul thirsts for thee. God has called us to a new level of, of giving. Not just money, but of yourself. You don't just want your money. You know, last year, we gave $7.9 million for Christmas for Christ. But America spent $363 billion on Christmas gifts. The average American spent $990 on a gift per person. If, if your spouse has spent that much, they owe you. But if we gave the average in the UPC of $990 per person that people spend on gifts, amen, to Christmas for Christ, instead of an offering being $7.9 million, offering would have been $790 million. That's what our Christmas Christ offering would have been if God's people would give their best gift to Christ. And so today I've come to challenge you in this Christmas Christ Sunday. Give God the biggest offering you can in Christmas for Christ. Move the mission, mother, to everything. Give him the biggest gift you can. But most importantly, be willing today to pour out your last barrel of water. Some of you have let some sins and weights in your life hold you back. Some of you have a lack of commitment. And some of you are like that rich young ruler, your material things. When he says, sell what you have and give it to the poor. He said, I can't pour that barrel of water out, God. I want eternal life, but you want me to sell my stuff. My stuff is too important to me. Don't let material things hold you back. Uh, don't let, like King Agrippa, almost I'm persuaded to be a Christian. Don't let the sins and weight of life hold you back. Say, God, I am going to pour it all out to you. I've kept that last barrel in the back of the garage. I've kept that last habit in the back of the garage. I've kept that last little bit away from you because I've been through so much. I've given so much. But today is a new day of sacrifice. Today is a new day of giving. And I must be evaporated before precipitation can fall. And right now this altar is open. God's calling some people and saying, it's time. I need it all. God said, I need the rest. You're giving me 75%. 80% but I'm here for 100% today I need some people to say I'm giving the bacon today honey I'm tired of being the milk and eggs guy I'm giving I'm just going to let God whatever it is. I'll go I'll do that last barrel of water I'll pour it out on the altar I'm here to pour it all out God my blessing will never happen because where my treasure is my heart's going to be but Lord today today my treasure is yours Today, my treasure is yours. Today, my, that's all here. I, bring all your pain, all your heartache, all your grief. Bring it all to him. Give it all to him. So I, I'm, I'm pouring it out to you today. I'll be completely evaporated today.